Welcome to Nuclear Popcorn. The rules of the game are simple. The host will show the players the last five minutes of a movie they haven't seen. The players will have a week to formulate a pitch of what they think the plot is. The closest gets meaningless points, maybe a crisp high five, probably a smooch on the forehead because they're a good boy or girl. The host will then reveal what the actual plot was. And that's it. You'll get it. You're smart. And your host for the week is... Hello, I'm Ben. <laughs> Hi, Ben. Ben is Hi, ben. your host hey. for this week. Yay. Um, and I'm joined here today with... Hi, I'm Luke. Good to see y'all again. I'm not seeing you, but it's good. I don't know. It's good to be here. Happy to be here, folks. <laughs> uh, hi, I'm August. It's nice. Yeah, no, we're not. We're not seeing them again. Hold on, they screwed me up. Um, yeah. And I'm Hannah, and I am the woman. <laughs> can you tell we've done this before? Of the that room. was the uh, smoothest of the two intros. That was the smoothest so far. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Um, ben, what do you got for us today? But yeah, today, or over the last week, we um, formulated pitches around the movie R100, which was directed by Japanese director Hitoshi Matsumoto. Um, but yeah, we'll go through the last five minutes with you, um, uh, at least to the best of our memory, and then we'll go through our pitches, uh, assign points, and then we'll realize what the actual plot of the movie was God, which I'm is scared very about this, I, one. Th- this ending was this i did not understand any of it it's fairly random it's a lot of it oh my gosh feels that way anyway which should we go into the description ben, ben came out swinging like <laughs> i know this is the i thought hannah's was crazy <laughs> But at least there was like a framework with hannah's yeah. <laughs> like, right. like, like, animated. this makes sense I don't know what was going on in the slightest with this one, but I have um, an idea that we'll oh, get into later. <laughs> what's it available on so that people uh, can watch it? It is currently available on Hulu and Tubi. And um, what's the timestamp we started at? The timestamp we started at was around 131. Um, yeah, we watched about 131 into the credits, uh, which was around where we watched. So if you guys are playing along at home. Which we encourage you do because this movie was wild. I yeah, um, I'd love to see what everybody else came up with. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess we'll start at the top of of where we started. So this is the only part I kind of understand. It's a shed with lights fla- <laughs> flashing through the through the boards on the shed. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like the wall boards of the shed. Yep. And weird wave things. Ripples. Which I'm, Light- ripples I'm and just air. now realizing. Like the whole shed in the context of the movie, but we'll get into that. In a second. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it's a shed. A okay, song. so we start off with a shed with lights inside, um, with little like pulsating something, little like waves pulsating. It, on it's the like when of the you, shed. it's like when you drop a rock into a, a, a like a river. It's like those ripples, except in the air and on the side of a shed. Of the shed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a dude with like eyes there's like an effect that make his eyes look really weird and big but he's getting beaten up by some chick and like Repeatedly. he's wearing a like in different situations like a ball gag like sex gag like there's a <laughs> very much a sexual context to this last five minutes there's a lot of dominatrices yeah um a lot. Yeah. i don't know how else to describe it besides like you just gotta watch it kind of so it's all all these different situations where the woman is like 
punishing him in some in a good or bad way. I so, don't know. <laughs> it, it's a, it's basically Pick your just, poison. <laughs> it's a bunch of clips, like a quick shots. To what was the, what's the song? It's to um, uh, Ode to Joy. Ode to Joy, and it's like dominatrices whipping grown men, and then like one guy has like black eyes, and then some people kicking him in the balls, yeah, kicking him, as they should, him, spitting on him, <laughs> like, dunking him in a fountain, like yeah, a, there's a, a whole lot of montage stuff. of S and M. Like some people have the wave that was on the shed around their head. Mm-hmm. Some people have like their head has been enlarged. There's also mm. choir singers for some reason. They're all looking at the shed. Yeah, the so the shed has importance. Shed. Yeah. Yeah, so every situation where this guy is being punished, his head is like rippling. And I assume those are tying into the ripples on the side of the shed, but we'll get into that with our theories. Yeah. Right. And, and then also it's like him on a carousel sometimes too. Mm hmm. Or a merry-go-round, and it keeps, it's, it, it's and then it eventually, with Ode to Joy playing in the background, it turns into a montage of what I'm assuming the rest of the movie was, of just clips that make no sense. There's a person like squishing fish, and like, yeah, yeah a bunch of dominatrices running through the streets, like kicking people yeah. in the balls. There's there's an entire end segment where the guy is pregnant <laughs> and yes. kind of just walking around in like a robe yes. and his underwear, and then this child shows up. And we don't really know who the <laughs> child is, but he's there. And like right before that, there's an old man on on the carousel, right. on the merry-go-round, and he says, "Masochism turns sadist, but then the sadist is conceived. Eventually, the sadist it's, is yeah, conceived, like giving birth to a new sadist. Yeah, uh huh. And which ties into a pregnant man taking." Paternity photos. Very happy song in the background. Yeah, yeah. But before that, that man goes up to like a door, like a like an apartment buzzer, right. and rings it. And the lines on the apartment buzzer are the same as the lines on the shed. Mm-hmm. And I think oh. there there was an important detail there that I just caught on the second time that we watched it. The lines on the shed, the ripples are like happening in different on the different lines, so it's almost like sequential. Okay. In that sense. Huh. I don't know if that means anything. It means something in my pitch. So we'll get into it in a second. But, <laughs> well, yeah, I want something. Um, yeah. I, this is so weird. Just go watch this. It's very odd. At least the last five minutes. I don't know. I and can't recommend I the whole movie it, yet because I haven't seen it. <laughs> after the pregnant man and the music fades out, it shows a brief glimpse uh, at uh-huh. an old man in a, a movie, movie theater. theater. And his head expands like the man we've been talking about. Uh yeah, and then it and then it fades out into the credits. And so if that made <laughs> what no sense movie. to you, definitely go check it, it out. It made At no sense to us either. <laughs> <laughs> that was just that was a trip. I feel like last time we were like, okay, I have somewhat, you know, a little bit of confidence going into this. Like I can actually predict what the movie is. I have no confidence this turn. I have no and like I forgot just how how many dominatrices and like bdsm stuff was in the last five minutes yeah my pitch only kind of touches on that on like bdsm stuff it's not as important as it clearly is to the actual movie <laughs> well as long as you have some you cover some of it then i think you're on the right track so um that being said did we miss anything or are we ready to get into i can't think of anything we missed <laughs> 
<laughs> but I also can't remember most okay, of it. Okay. <laughs> Sweet. Well, yeah. First up, we have drum roll, please. Uh, Luke. Hey. Uh, so, okay. So I'm going to kind of do the same thing I did in the last episode of just rambling off the cuff. Again, I didn't really study film or anything of the sort in college. So this is just my thoughts and what I think the movie might entail. So the multiverse. So the multiverse. Um, my, what I would like to see in this movie is that the shed on the side, all of the ripples on, on the lines are all different versions of this same guy. Um, just being mm. punished in, in different like multiverses across the multiverse. So different versions of the same guy. And the choir that's all singing and watching the shed is just the choir of the cosmos and just endlessly <laughs> judging this guy. <laughs> the choir of the cosmos. The choir of the cosmos. That's the new name for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I think the lines are important on the side of the shed is because the ripples are like music on no, on lines of a staff, oh, and it's all coming together for. Think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, I, I might have think, points. Wait, this seriously? It does like the little ripples play out in the same sequence as the music? Right. So I figured that's probably it, that's it that ties together, and wow. so the whole song is this guy's multiple lives, right? And. So in each of these scenarios, he's being punished of some sort by a woman. Um, and so what I think this represents is I, I would like to see this movie in chapters, right? And each chapter deals with um, a certain downfall of relationship. So that whether that be lack of communication, whether that be dishonesty, uh, uh, cheating, lying, and then the big one being codependency, right? And so oh. hence like dominatrix like one being more powerful than the other and so each section plays out in the downfall of that relationship of one of these scenarios and so in the grand multiversal music staff thing the reason we replay a lot of the movie at the end of just like random bits of like the fish getting squished and all that is just because we're looking at the different facets of this guy's life and where he failed in his relationship because of different scenarios that might have happened and it all ends with the montage of him pregnant when he learns self-sufficiency when he learns that he can be satisfied in and of himself and he doesn't need a woman in order to take care of himself and hence take care of other people so he doesn't need a woman (laughs) he's an independent man he don't need a woman i will take my lead (laughs) (laughs) so are you imagining it where it's like we follow him mm-hmm. until like this relationship ends for like lack of communication or something, and then it hard cuts with like a chapter title to like a different universe or a yeah. different dimension. Okay, so we see like four different dimensions, and then it ends with like mm. the shed. It ends with there's like hints of the shed all throughout the movie, okay. right? It's like hidden in the background somewhere, and then all of a sudden, hard cut. The choir comes in with Ode to Joy, and we see all of this transpire. I love um, this. Oh I got gosh. nothing for the old man sitting in the theater. Well, he is clearly God. Um, See, or <laughs> he's the, the Lord of the multiverse. <laughs> the Lord of the he, multiverse. He's James multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> or the man on the carousel is God saying, you know, 
masochist come say to say this is conceived. Oh, I thought that's who you were talking about. Oh, no, I'm talking about the oh, man, the in, the man in the theater with all his yes, head is expanding. Yes. I think that's just us. Yeah. With our, that's, that's, that's actually what our heads were, did when we watched old. this movie. Um, so I would mind like, blown. Mind blown. <laughs> uh, so I would like to see if you're familiar with community remedial chaos theory mm-hmm. in this yes. movie of just all the different timelines of how poorly relationships can go if not treated right ending with self-sufficiency so that is my pitch i love it but instead of like the dice it's the shed it's the shed we just keep returning to the shed a different that's so interesting it was on downfall no yeah and that would like this was released before like the multiverse started getting Mm -hmm. huge so that would have been like ahead of the time um but yeah i really like Gosh, Luke always comes out with like these <laughs> so much depth. Okay, that we've ideas. done, I've thought big, grandiose. That's, yeah, that's always <laughs> like I would watch that movie. Like you have absolutely the weirdest trailer. Like that feels like that last five minutes where you're like, "What is going, what is going on, on here? What's with mm-hmm. all the what's with that dominatrix?" Yeah. And then you watch the movie, and you're like, "Okay, okay, it's a collection of stories, and it's about like one a, guy." Were you thinking it was like purely romantic relationships, or was it just like relationships with everybody? I had in my head it was romantic relationships because of the dominatrices and and everything. (laughs) Um, But again, it could be open. I didn't see everything, but that montage of the movie, it looked like he was like in a mattress store or something. I don't know what this dude was doing in his life, but it could be with other relationships. Um, Maybe the old man in the theater is his dad and he's trying to reconvene his relationship, but he ends up just making his head expand. I don't know. <laughs> it's like the cycle continues. Oh, his his head's just expanding. It's okay. too much to handle. Well, that's, <laughs> but yeah, what if it starts with like the old man coming to the theater, and someone's like, "All right, I'm going to show you the different ways your life could have played out." Mm. Dude, and it's then like, it's like, a wonderful life. Yeah, but also, like, but with a pregnant man. So we have it's a wonderful life or daddy issues is what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing. That's wonderful daddy issues. I would watch that. Movie. It's a wonderful life, actually. Really, no, it's really? wonderful life. Also, daddy also issues. Daddy <laughs> issues. <laughs> got it. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the subtitle like Birdman or an I see why it's a classic now. it's a wonderful life or daddy issues. Um. So thank you for coming to my movie. But yeah, thank you for pitching. <laughs> I love it. Oh my it was a gosh! Great movie. Thank you. Oh man. But yeah, next up, our next pitch of the day goes to drum roll, drum roll, drum roll. August. Oh Woo! yeah, it's me. It's <laughs> you. August was pointing at Hannah. No, not my turn yet. I okay. I'm gonna preface mine by saying that I forgot. I think I already said this. The sheer number of dominatrices in the last five it's minutes. It's so many. It's so many. And I, I didn't realize how integral to the plot they clearly are. <laughs> well, maybe. All right. We don't know. So mine, mine has them in there, but it's not like as important. All right. So Kevin, Kevin, who's our main character, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, uh, Kevin grew up with just his dad. He thinks his mom died, but he doesn't really remember her, and his dad refused to ever talk about her. Kevin vaguely remembers an older brother who he thinks disappeared when Kevin was a baby. But Kevin does remember his younger brother, who he knows disappeared a year after his brother was born. After his younger brother disappeared, Kevin's father began drinking a lot and hating Kevin. He would regularly belittle and insult Kevin and even try to pressure him to go into their huge shed in the backyard that Kevin was always afraid of, but never went into. Dude. What? <laughs> Already. <laughs> what? Uh, there were a few times when Kevin's father hit him, but it wasn't regular. Um, one day... When, what? 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 Uh, yeah, Kev- 
Kevin's father was a little abusive, like physically and verbally. Wait, Just but a little bit, though. what is not regular? Oh, it wasn't like a he like wasn't, frequently. He oh, okay, okay, okay. Once in a okay. blue moon. Oh, no, yeah. it was I like, had, I was like, like huh? <laughs> what? Cruel and unusual beating. Please, this is awful. I don't know. I might leave this in. Um. Okay. One day when Kevin was trying to escape his dad, and wait, one day when he's trying to escape his dad, Kevin, when he was like ten, stumbled into the basement, which was a place he was always forbidden to go. There, he found his father's BDSM equipment, whip, harnesses, gags, the works. He never asked his dad about it, but Kevin would regularly escape to the basement since it was the only place his father never went. Oh, my god! This instilled in Kevin a strange relationship with these things. Instead of viewing them as pleasure devices, they sort of became comforting to him and, in a strange way, became a motherly figure to young Kevin. So, so, so da- <laughs> daddy issues? Mommy issues? Da- the the only the only issue with his mom is that it's latex. <laughs> okay, so the only other thing in Kevin's life he found comfort in was the carousel in his town. He loved it so much, but didn't get to go very often since his father always stayed in the house and wouldn't drive him. So from there, it hard cuts from Kevin's childhood to when Kevin is forty and he's at his father's burial. Kevin steps up to say a few words. He mentions how weird it is to be having a funeral without a body, how he spent the last 30 years taking care of his very sick father, how Kevin wants to have a child so he can do better and be a better father than his was. And finally, he mentions his father's last words before he went into the shed and disappeared. Masochism turns to sadism. As Kevin says those words, he notices strange, invisible waves coming from the priest's head. Kevin shakes it off and continues the funeral. Towards the end, he sees a small, strangely familiar boy standing behind a tree, watching the funeral, who then disappears. Kevin goes to the carousel, spends a little time there, then goes back to where he lives, his childhood home. Kevin doesn't have to get a job, because he's still getting checks from his dad's business, and he now owns his house outright. Kevin decides he only wants one thing in life, to have a kid and raise them better than his dad raised him. But Kevin only wants to have a kid with a dominatrix, because, as I said... Uh, BDSM stuff has become a motherly figure to Kevin, and he thinks a dominatrix is the only appropriate mother for his kid. So Kevin starts inviting dominatrices to his house, but he learns that only weird ones make house calls. So Kevin, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Wait. Only the weird dominatrices. Yeah, only make the house weird calls. Dom- <laughs> <laughs> only the weird calls. ones. So Kevin goes to a local BDSM house or a dom den. A house full if of you dominatrices. Research, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like a hotel full of dominatrices. So Kevin's fir- first time at his local dom den in the lobby, he sees that familiar boy again, but he's quickly pulled away by his dominatrix. He asks her about the boy, but the waves start surrounding her head. They go back in the lobby, and the boy's gone. He has his dominatrix experience, likes it, but doesn't think she's perfect. He then heads home and finds two men from his father's company. While talking to them, Kevin learns that his father never actually started a business. In fact... His father was being paid to be the keeper of the shed, which is an ancient building with untold and ancient powers. They don't tell Kevin exactly what it does before they leave. As Kevin stares at the shed, the familiar boy reappears and stands next to Kevin. Kevin asks who the boy is, and he says that he is Kevin. He has come here to help guide adult Kevin. Kid Kevin tells Kevin to stop going to Tom Natrice's. Kevin says no, he wants a child, and he storms off while Kid Kevin tries to tell him that he still will. Have a kid. Kevin goes back to the Dom Den and spends days there trying to find the perfect mom to his future kid. Kevin finally gives up, 
then spends some time at the carousel. After a few hours, he goes home. There he finds a horde of masked people worshiping the shed, each with waves coming from their heads. They're also like singing those choir songs and stuff like mm. that. Dude. So Kevin talks to Kid Kevin, who has been watching the house, and Kid Kevin explains that they are worshipers who are praying to the shed to fix their lives. Kevin tries to shoo them away, but they refuse to leave. The next day, Kevin concedes to Kid Kevin that he won't go to any more dominatrices. Kid Kevin then explains that Kevin can still have a child who will just have to do something, burn down the carousel from his childhood. That night, Kevin goes to the carousel and, after some crying and mourning, lights it on fire. As it's burning down, he asks Kid Kevin what's next. Kid Kevin responds, The world will collapse and your loop will begin. In a few days, you will become pregnant with a boy. A year after the baby is born, I will go into the shed and become that child before he is born. Kevin then asks, So I will be giving birth to myself? Correct. Kevin asks another question. So if I'm giving birth to myself, then who is my father? Kid Kevin looks at Kevin and with tears in his eyes says, I am, Kevin. Dying in that shed, turn me into this so I could guide you. And you, will do, and you will do the same when the time comes so you can guide your son. Kevin asks one last question. Why did you hate me? Kid Kevin responds, for the same reason you'll hate your child. Because I got pregnant again and gave birth to your brother. You were supposed to go into the shed and be reborn as your brother, which would have ended this loop. But you didn't and he disappeared. Kevin, watching the carousel's final embers flicker and die, says, I won't be the same as you. Kid Kevin, with tears in his eyes, responds, I said the same thing. Then the world collapses, which is what the last five minutes are. Trippy. Wow. Yeesh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Questions. <laughs> and you haven't seen this movie before, have you? Is this a final movie? <laughs> Goodness. I feel like I'm totally off now. A lot to unpack there. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know if I have anything to add because you've clearly thought this through no, yeah, a lot. Like covered so many bases I didn't know were there. I I wrote this at work, and I, I literally yelled at myself three times, What am I writing? <laughs> it's good. It's like, it's wacky and zany, but that was the last five minutes. And, like, I love how you tied in the dominatrices not knowing, like, how they would tie in. Yeah. Like, he's looking for a mother figure. But it's only what he's comfortable but with. That's like, which yeah. is latex and whips. <laughs> Kevin is Kevin. Uh-huh. He's right. also his son. Right. He's and also, also his... the little boy. Right. He's also his older brother and his younger brother and his dad. All I know is Kevin. Yeah. Everybody Kevin's the only Kevin character Kevin. in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> which, yeah, I wanted to draw a comparison to another movie, but... That's like major spoilers for that movie. So I won't. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's really. I'm gonna good. say the same really thing. Well connected. You said to me, I want to see this movie. <laughs> yeah. <definitely. laughs> I kind of want to make this movie. I'm no, really like nervous for mine now. No, hey, no. don't be nervous. Oh my don't gosh, be nervous no. Uh, gosh, I have no notes. Yeah, I can't like. I have no questions. At all. We'll flesh that out. We'll, yeah. 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 We'll make it. We'll put a pin in that yeah. and actually make it a movie. Because, like, I wanted, like, two things. I wanted that kid to be Kevin. I wanted them to be the same person. <laughs> in addition to that, I wanted Kevin to give birth to himself. Right. Pregnant Kevin with and then young I al- Kevin. I also wanted a really sad ending where Kevin's like, I won't be the same as you. But it's a time loop, so he is. Right. He's going to keep being his dad over and over again. It's a tragic cycle. <sighs> that will, one that will never be broken because Kid Kevin will never go into that right. shed. Wow. 
man. Crazy. Trippy. Yeah. Trippy. Kaufman and like a whole bunch of other sci-fi writers <laughs> are like are looking at that like mm, pretty good make that this is what two days of exhaustion create <laughs> yeah if that's what it takes um but yeah any other additions <laughs> to, no to august's pitch okay well without further ado last and most certainly not least drum roll have... drum roll drum roll hannah hannah Woo! Okay, um, so mine's a bit dark, so like, trigger warning, I'm seriously, I'm serious. Okay, um, <laughs> here we go. Um, Alright, we open on a man sitting by a lake in the park. Rings in the water echo as he tosses stones. He spots a woman with a trench coat and dark hair walk past. He looks away, but when he sees her again, she's in full-blown lingerie and sex garb. This man is a pervert. A full-blown masochist haunted by his innermost sexual desires. He is constantly plagued by the spirit of a small child who beckons him to return home. Let's call this young child Jerry. This, this guy is like, this damn youth, he won't leave me alone. <laughs> Needless to say, he's sort of pissed about it and does his best to ignore the kid. Is Jerry his inner child calling for him to come back and claim his own innocence or something much more sinister? The entire film covers a series of dark acts committed by the man who will do anything for his next best high. He just wants to feel something, damn it, anything. This turns to a man, the man seeking comfort through a local sex cult. That shed-looking area is their home base. It turns out that our main dude is really into getting the ever-living daylights beaten out of him. Uh, the woman from the park is also a member of said cult and engages in many sexual activities because, yeah, she digs beating guys up. Girl boss, go you. Seriously, I could, I could never. Uh, it's orgies galore up in here, but seriously, there's a lot of sleeping around and it's just, yeah, it's a big hot mess. Um, through a series of violent tests and killings, the cult ends up believing that the man is essentially, like, quote-unquote, the chosen one, and will deliver upon them the glow of the final door, like the shed. Um, the promised land, TM. More like the promised orgasm, but it is what it is. Uh, the man is conflicted as to whether or not giving into his own desires fully or truly what he really wants. So the man attempts to escape the sex cult, only to be followed by the ghost of the child one last time. It's revealed that Jerry was his son whom he drowned at the lake one night, the rings in the water reminiscent of his son searching for air. Oh my gosh. It was metaphorically the man's way of freeing himself from his failed marriage and unsatisfying monogamous lifestyle. His kid also loved the carousel, which is why we returned there a few times. I'd also just like to pause for a moment and let the listeners know that I do not condone violence against <laughs> children or just violence in general. So a moment of silence for Jerry... Cool beans. Okay, let's wrap this up. Hannah, uh, wait, hold on. Hannah doesn't <laughs> condone drowning children. I do not. I do not. I swear to God, I don't. Okay. Do you know anyone who does? No. <laughs> okay, cool. The man ultimately fails to escape the, the cult and as a result is sacrificed by the group accompanied by some lovely choral singers to the light beyond. In the afterlife, the man reminisces the life he could have had, one where he is happily accompanied by the innocence, innocence he was rid of in life, Jerry included. And the old dude at the theater is an innocent bystander who watches the film as we have and punishments against the main dude unfold. But now he is also plagued by the same experiences the main guy has also faced, a need for pain and pleasure. Wow. Ooh. Oh my goodness. Why were you worried about that? that I don't know. Was, <laughs> that was, it reminded me of Hellraiser without all of the like horror movie stuff. Because that's what Hellraiser yeah, yeah. is about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't seen them, but I know what they're about. <laughs> Big fan. Yeah. <laughs> that was... That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you. Jeez. Holy cow. And I would love 
that twist. Like you don't tell the audience that he murdered his own child. Right. But you, you can know, like absolutely. homage like, it throughout the whole yeah, movie. Yeah. yeah. It through. It's such a good twist ending thank to you, thank an you. already like, whoa, kind of movie. <laughs> Is the man's name Kevin by chance? I mean, <laughs> it could be. I'm not. I mean, Kevin and Jerry. We could have a the, the new ice cream going. company, Kevin and Jerry. <laughs> Now I'm just thinking about, like, what if we made a trilogy? That's what I was <laughs> 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 the last five It's like the before trilogy, but way darker. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, yeah, I can't think of, like... It's tough. It seems rock solid. Yeah. I think from there... 10 out of 10, Hannah. Oh, thank great. you. Yeah, that was great. Um, so, I have an idea of who was the closest in terms of story... So, yeah, I think that I'll give the most accurate to... Well, are we going to guess? Should we guess? We let's should guess. guess let's guess. Because then it's like, oh, you say what it is, and we're like, oh, it's... Right, right. Oh, well, then I, I'll guess this person. <laughs> I think no, it's Hannah. I think it's Hannah, I, 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 I think Luke. Maybe. What? Really? Pat- maybe. Pat- I don't know. I... I, I don't know. All of these are think, really weird art house films. Right. Yeah. Definitely. I don't think my version of like the dominatrices makes sense. I think I both mean, of yours. I guess the multiverse like, thing. I don't know. Crud. But like Ben said, this is before multiverse I mean, ideas yeah. really yeah. came through. So I'm well, going to. But I, it that, could still. There were still. I think the first like big piece of like multiverse fiction was uh, Infinite Crisis mm. when DC did DC mm. Comics did a big event. Well, that was the 80s. Was, yeah. So. Um, 40-ish years ago. So yeah, they they very well could have made a multiverse movie. But I think I, Luke may have had a few things, though, that I, might be sort of close. I feel like we I don't all know. had a few things that yeah, were kind of accurate. So yeah. like With our powers combined, oh God, we actually know. made R100. <laughs> <laughs> oh, none of us explained why it's called R100. Nope. No, yeah, so I'll get into that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that the most accurate was Hannah's. Oh. Whoa. Um, <gasps> So really? Hannah, I will award you ten ball gags. Heck yeah, <laughs> ball gags. Ball gags. Oh lord. Um, oh, and lord. the person I thought had the most, the the most well-rounded and the most entertaining and like enticing pitch was August. Oh, yeah. yeah. For sure. There you Time go. loop. Um, wow. Everyone is Kevin. Everyone is Kevin. Everyone is Kevin. <laughs> like I, wacky yeah. wild, but that like totally applies. To this movie and just like it could stand alone as its own thing, which is fascinating. Um, Meaningless points. Woo-hoo. But Woo! yeah, uh, August, you get the celebratory BDSM whip. I get the celery BDSM whip. Celebratory. I get the celery <laughs> you, okay, BDSM whip. Okay, Congrats, it's made man. Of celery. I get Congrats. a BDSM whip, whip made, of made of celery. Have you eaten dinner yet? Uh, yeah. Why? Okay. I just want to get celery hungry. on the brain. Um, but yeah, so we'll we'll get into what the actual movie was about, um, because yeah, while Hannah's was the closest, there were a few things in there that <laughs> uh, strayed from the actual, which you know that's expected. Um, so okay, uh, the story centers around a man named Takafumi, so not Kevin, unfortunately. Oh, of course, though. Uh, but he has a wife who is hospitalized, comatose. Um, hooked up to a machine in a hospital and he has a son named, let me find it. Arashi, I believe is his name. Arashi and Takafumi. Um, and his son was featured in the last five minutes of the film. Um, and so Takafumi is done living this mundane life 
so we start with him going to a BDSM club called Bondage, uh, where Clever. he rings the <laughs> <laughs> rings the buzzer at the door, walks in, um, and signs up for this subscription where for a year dominatrices will visit him at unexpected times to beat him up in public wherever he's at. Um, and there's no cancellation. Wow. So he has to stick it out for a year. It's like a weird version of the game with Michael Douglas. Right. <laughs> Except <laughs> more BDSM. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm actually going to start out right there. That's the inciting incident and say that the film is titled R100 because um, Hitoshi Matsumoto, who's the director, he said that um, I guess the whole concept of the movie is that the rating system in Japan goes R15 is similar to PG-13, R18 is restricted, so adults only. And so R100 would mean that you have to be at least 100 years old to watch this movie. Which explains <laughs> the ending of the movie Which with the old man. Which explains the old man in the theater. Interesting. Oh, okay. Can yeah. watch it. Right. That's and so weird. And that's that's the that's not the director of this film, but that yeah. is the director of a meta film within a film, which we'll get into in just a second. Oh, gosh. Um, but yeah, he's so Takafumi is adjusting to this service and he's visited by the first dominatrix. Um, and yeah, by the time that the first dominatrix shows up, we're getting a sense of his home life where he works. He works in a department store. So he's just living a very mundane life, which these dominatrices add a little spice to that. Um, sure. On his way home, he gets visited by a dominatrix and he feels bad uh, and decides that he wants to cancel the service about a couple weeks in. So oh, gosh. he's got a long way to go. Good he's trying to cancel it a weekend. Um, but before he can attempt to cancel it, another dominatrix visits him at work. Uh, he goes into he goes into the department store, goes to the bathroom, and I think she's called the Queen of whips or the whipping queen all, there are several dominatrices they all have queen of blank as their name um and so he gets whipped in the bathroom uh and that's like 40 minutes in we get the title card of the movie uh, oh my gosh and then it, it turns into a film reel and it cuts out of the movie to a bunch of test screening participants and they're reacting to the movie that we're watching saying oh. like this movie makes no sense. <laughs> why would he subscribe to this service? What, why is it? It's very boring. It's very stupid. It's a dumb premise. Um, but yeah, every once in a while, we'll cut to the test screening people and then back into the movie. Uh, and so back in the movie, ta uh, yeah, Takafumi tries to contact Bondage, the place, um, but he can't cancel it. He visits his wife in the hospital but is visited by a dominatrix named the Queen of Voices, um, who can imitate anyone's voices. And she imitates the voice of his comatose wife, Oof. which Creepy. is terrifying because oh. how would she know what the wife sounds like? Um, she lights a candle and burns wax on him. It's very uncomfortable. Uh, and then we cut back to test screenings. There were... For some reason, yeah, I didn't even, I forgot about this for a second. For some reason, every once in a while, a character in the movie will be like, was that an earthquake? Like, nothing shakes. Oh. They'll just, like, mention earthquakes, and then the test screening audience will be like, what, what was the thing about the earthquakes? There's <laughs> <laughs> any earthquakes that were happening. What's going on? And so, yeah, it's full of, like, inconsistencies 
um, because you have to be at least 100 years old to understand the film. And so all of these young test screeners are very confused as I was when I was watching it. Um, so Takafumi warns Arashi to go to the police, or he goes to the police, warns Arashi to stay at home. Um, the police ridicule him. Um, no earthquakes happen, but they mention it. Uh, he's visited at home by the Queen of Voices and um, gets bound up with a black blindfold and a ball gag. Um, and Arashi finds out about what's going on. And he's like five years old. I don't know how old he is. Yikes. Um, and so the Queen of Voices like ties him up to a ceiling beam. Whoa. Very, what? <laughs> very weird. He's, he's just like hanging there. Um, he, he's doing all right. He's, he's just like chilling up there, but it's, it's a very, it's a very weird situation to be in. And then the queen of saliva shows up and starts oh. spitting on Takafumi. Oh. Um, in, in this highly edited dance sequence with where she has like several cocktails in a briefcase, drinks them up and then spits them on him. Um, and then after a long dance sequence, she tries to like spit on him from further and further away, but breaks the balcony on the second story and falls to her death. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, and oh, okay. And that's yeah. I don't. They, huh. She just dies there. And hey, um, uh, hey, Ben, real quick. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> this, this, <laughs> what is this movie this so movie? far? Like, I don't. I don't. Well, what? How? How did you find this? Who told you about this? And are they I, in prison? I, <laughs> I looked up weird movies for this podcast and it was like the second option and i was like okay let's watch the last five minutes of i think it. you succeeded and then i watched yeah. it i was like have you guys heard of this and you guys hadn't so i was like that's the movie um wow but oddly enough like which i'll kind of break down my thoughts of it after watching it but like for a movie rated r100 and as i'm describing it it sounds very graphic it's really not graphic at all. I'm, I'm describing it in vast detail because not much else happens in the movie. It's just a lot of weird dominatrix situations up until the end, which is like a recap of the whole film. Um, That's but, I was yeah. about to say, I don't remember there being any nudity whatsoever. No, no right. There's like, there's no nudity. There's like, there's barely any language until a bit that I'm about to bring up. Um, but yeah, they, he tries to get the police involved. They don't help out. Um, he tries to flee with Arashi, but he's pursued by the BDSM queens. Um, they show, or we cut to a water lounge, which is confusing because Bondage was in like a hotel and now they're in a water lounge all of a sudden. <laughs> what, what is a water lounge? It's like just like an indoor pool, I think. And huh, okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, sure. It has like a bunch of the BDSM queens and then the CEO, who's this blonde dominatrix from america shows up what? and she's just like cussing out a storm um and she's ordering like all of the bdsm ninja ladies to go find takafumi the bdsm house has a ceo has a ceo <laughs> like international she fly they they show her flying in for her to take care of the situation which huh it, this is an international issue it's an international <laughs> issue that uh one of the dominatrices died at this guy's house um, but yeah, sh oh my gosh, yeah, he, what? 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 Oh now gosh. you're confused? <laughs> <laughs> I just lost my place. Um, yeah, a man on a motorcycle shows up and warns them that they're following Akashi's slobber trail because he's asleep in the car. Uh, this guy is from the government, he hands Takafumi a gun, 
Um, and then Akashi runs away. <laughs> uh, the CEO's in town. Interviews about the CEO, audacious yet refined, the true queen. That's what, how they would describe her. Uh, Dr. Fumi goes to the hospital where the queen of gobbling is eating the government guy. Ew. She's like, she eats, like, you saw the lady with the big what? mouth. She's like eating a guy whole. Oh, okay. We've, okay. Got like, we've got like 30 minutes left of the movie. I mean, if that's what you're into, but uh, I... <laughs> the screen testers have had enough with the queen of gobbling. They're like, they're done with the movie. And the hundred year old director is inside like chuckling. Um, yeah, the guy, one of the guys in the screen test points out that the club shouldn't have a CEO. <laughs> the merry-go-round is now a water lounge for some reason. And yeah, that, yeah, that's where they discuss the name of the film. Anyway, the, the queen of gobbling eats Takafumi's dad and the government guy. Uh, they return home where the CEO shows up and drags Takafumi into the back shed. Uh after this long action sequence of sending the elite bondage course, which is like a bunch of lady ninjas in dark attire. Yeah. As they um, should. Obviously. Yeah. He <laughs> Go Queens. <laughs> Takafumi gets this large briefcase. He opens it up and it's just full of grenades. Oh no. Oh <laughs> no. Is, let me find the, oh, no. the tagline of the film is. I take it back. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> or wait, let me find it real quick. You know what? I'm done being confused. Yeah, I think, I think just you just reached a point it. where you're like, you, ex you accept the weirdness. It's like, you know what? I'm done expecting anything from this movie because I will never be Because I'm not right. going to get anything that makes sense. Yeah, I mean. Briefcase full of grenades? Sure. Sure. Why not? Qu uh, queen of gobbling or whatever? Ugh. Eating a businessman? The CEO of this organization. Ben? But yeah, so he gets dragged <laughs> into the shed and um, is like, he he's having a moment. So every time that the rippling around his head, which occurs throughout the film, that's him reaching his maximum pleasure. Uh -huh. um, and oh so in the shed, those ripples mean that. Gross. <laughs> gotcha. um, and so through a long montage, we, we see him throughout the movie experiencing pleasure and not enjoying it. Uh, and in the end, masochist turns to sadist, submitting to a superior sadist, and then opens the final door. Um, in which a sadist is conceived. And so that's where that's where the film leads into the last five minutes. And so he's giving birth to another dominatrix? He's giving birth to another sadist. So it's the idea similar to what you had, similar to I guess everybody kind of touched on like there's a form of or like a cycle of bad, like unhealthy behavior that mm -hmm. would result in even more of that unhealthy behavior. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't know if I recommend this movie. <laughs> it's, it's all right. <laughs> I, I went into it thinking it would be a lot more intense than it actually was. It ended up just being weird. Um, mm. It's clearly more defined as a <laughs> comedy <laughs> than like a drama or thriller or anything, even though it, it looks very washed out and very intense. Um, yeah, in my review, I said that R100 offers something less shocking, uh, though just as ridiculous as anticipated. Uh, it's more of a comedic art piece, which allowed me to see more vision in it. Um, and to pass off BDSM as a poor attempt at slapstick would overlook any attempt at a commentary on pleasure and escapism. So I thought it was this man's attempt to escape 
his mundane life being trapped, which I can't fully get behind him because his wife is in the freaking hospital. Right. And he's yeah, going to this dominatrix house. So Takafumi is not Kevin, Kevin. But you know what? Kevin is not a <laughs> protagonist I would root for, but um, I admire his desire to escape. Uh, and like I can appreciate that and, and see where he's coming from. And to him, the escape became boring quickly, uh, which to me, like, the, the movie gets very repetitive. Like, okay, we get it. He's getting beat up by these ladies, but what's the point? And that, like, informed me into his mind of, like, what is the point of coming to see this movie, let alone, like, being in that situation? Um, and so, yeah, and the test screening participants are exactly like that outlet. They're so confused as I was confused um, at the plot holes and the ridiculous ideas at hand. Um, but yeah, in the end, uh, we, we really don't know if Takafumi succeeded in getting that maximum high or failed to contain it. But either way, he's impregnated by his, his pleasure and is like, he's, he ends up in this terrible place, which it seems very fun and very wacky, but it's like kind of very tragic. Um, hmm. But yeah, that's that was my interpretation of it. <laughs> so it was like the whole thing just to watch a bunch of women beat up a dude, pretty much. Or and only there's if like, you're a hundred. <clears throat> only if you're a hundred. Only okay. if you're a hundred. Yeah. Uh, was yeah, it, was sure. it more like more critiquing that? Like I th- yes, I think it's definitely more of a satire than like right. hey, here's a selling point in that it's a bunch of like I don't know. It, it's it's not like a raunchy movie. It's just like a weird movie that features pleasure as a, I don't know, as a medium to tell that story of escape. But okay. huh. yeah, the the director is one of the most famous comedians in Japan, and so he like prides himself on satire. Okay, um, interesting. Got it. He made another yeah. movie called Symbol in two thousand nine, which is also very experimental. It's like a guy wakes up in a white room and there are buttons everywhere. And he presses all the buttons and like, very weird, very weird. I, I also checked that one out for this podcast, but decided R100 was a better option. Okay. I don't well, know what to say. I don't either. I'm going to not, like I know next week is Luke and then I'm the week after, but I'm not going to try to top that by make, trying to find a movie with a weirder last five minutes. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it exists. I think no. it's, yeah. I think, I think we hit our peak episode. No, I, wanted, <laughs> I, wanted to do, I wanted to try to like, because yeah, the, the previous episode was such a perfect beginning. I wanted to like explore the range and then we'd like, we have that max. <laughs> you, you wanted to test the limits. I wanted to test the limits. Gotcha. No, yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. I feel I like it. last episode was a good introduction. And tonight, man, we explored certain feelings. To see how committed we are. Uh Uh (laughs) We established the rules last week, and now we're... See, I felt like our pitches were pretty weird. I was not anticipating the actual plot of the movie. No, No, the the movie is weird. The plot itself is very simple. It's very just like, hey, a bunch of weird stuff is happening, and the people in the movie are reacting to it. Whereas your guys' pitches were a lot more fascinating and engrossing and like Mm. i would much rather watch your movies than this one which lends which kind of makes me appreciate this movie more because it's like (laughs) it is not a satisfying movie at at, like at all but that's like the point of it i guess yeah weird oh my gosh what a weird note to end on on this episode yeah but i like it um all right (laughs) i i guess 
we're leaving now. <laughs> I guess I guess we'll end on that note. Um, yeah, uh, we'd like to thank uh, we'd like to thank Aaron who did our introduction. Thank you, Aaron. Um, thank you, Aaron. We love you. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening into our podcast. Um, I'd like to plug our socials real quick. We're Nuclear Popcorn on Instagram. Uh, so stay tuned into that page, and we'll be uploading um, different hints and different sneak peeks into the podcast, as well mm-hmm. as uh, just little information to stay up to date. Um, but yeah, without without any further delay, I've been Ben. I'm Luke. I'm August. And I'm Hannah. And thank you for watching Nuclear Popcorn. All right. And next week, uh, we're going to be watching a movie, weird movie that I somehow just remembered from my childhood called Nick and Tristan Go Mega Dega. So hope to see you. We're not seeing you. Hope to hope you tune in next week. Uh, Thank you, guys.